Isaiah 41. The title of the message today is Fear Thou Not. I think we could all agree, as we're coming to the end of this year, that uh, the world of 2023 has been a, uh, in many ways, a dangerous world, hasn't it? It's kind of a scary world. It's uh, There's a lot uh, going on uh, here in our country and, and, and around the world uh, on the global scale that could that could bring people to a point of uh, just hunkering down in, in fear like what can happen next there's disasters there's wars going on conflicts all around us um, and so there's a, a lot of things that that foster this sense of uh, fear and foreboding if we think about physical things uh, think about the sicknesses and the diseases that we hear about uh, every time you turn around it seems like there's a new strain of COVID. We, we have expected for years that every year there would be some new strain of flu and it's always been a, a bit of a crapshoot whether the doctors, the, the folks that chose the ones to do the vaccine of whether they would choose the, the right one. I, I believe if I'm not mistaken there are basically four strains of flu that can hit us in any given year and if I'm not mistaken the flu vaccines they choose the two that they think or the most likely to hit that year, and that's what goes into the vaccines. And so you've got, there's a chance that the, the vaccine may, not, may do nothing for you. There's a chance they may hit it right on the nose. But still, we know those are expected, but there's these other things that keep coming up now, aren't there? These other sicknesses that come at us. And, and someone goes to the hospital uh, to be treated for something, and there's a chance that they're going to be exposed to MRSA when they're there, they're going to be exposed to RSV when they're there, or any other, or other things. And so uh, all of these things, uh, they can drive us to fear. If we think about the economic situation around us, there's so many things that can go wrong. And, and people reach retirement age, they maybe have got uh, some kind of a, um, an account built up, a retirement account or something, and uh, all of a sudden they're looking at the stock market. It's not a good thing to look at, by the way. It, uh, it's depressing sometimes, but you can see just things being decimated. And so these things are they're kind of scary, aren't they? And especially when we look at the political scene, uh, the things, uh, we had a pastor, I think I told you this one time, I had a pastor that said the, the problems that we have will not be solved in Washington. And I agree with that. The people in Washington will not solve all the problems. But the people in Washington are the ones who cause a lot of our problems, and therefore they should be objects of our prayer, shouldn't they? And so when we see the, all of the political infighting going on and you think next year's an election year, a major election year, what in the world are we going to end up with after the elections? Could it be worse than what we have now? The answer is yeah, it probably could be. And that's really scary, isn't it? Because what we have now is a mess. And so we know that. Think, when we think about the crime, I, I don't know if you guys had this problem or not, but last night our phone started blowing up with these 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 blue alerts because someone had attacked a, a police officer. I think they killed a police officer in Greensboro, and it, there was a time when people respected that badge, and that 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 time is gone. We've got uh, crime is just rampant, isn't it? And and all of the the global uncertainties, all of these things, these are physical things that can bring about fear, and then there's the spiritual things that can bring fear to us, that can. Uh, bring us to that point where we realize how dangerous the world is. People nowadays are living in open sin in ways that never we never would have imagined when we were younger. And it's just there, there's no there's no regard at all for the Word of God in the lives of some people. There are people who will read the Word of God. They maybe even will attend church from time to time, and they'll say, "Yep, 
I see that. That's what the Bible says. But no, that doesn't that doesn't work for me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna abide by that. I'm gonna do my own thing. And they go out and do their own thing. And we so we're living in a world where there's unrepentant attitudes. We're living in a world where oftentimes there's Christian apathy. Christians just don't seem to care what's going on around them. Sometimes we can we can if we're not careful uh, we can withdraw into a cocoon and not be active trying to change the things around us, trying to witness to people so that their lives can be changed. And so it becomes a very scary place, doesn't it? From a spiritual side, in general, in America, and I think around the world, there's just a general falling away from the things of God. People just don't have a concern. So every generation has faced these kinds of dangers, these kinds of fears. We know that, some more than others. But what I'm here to tell you this morning is, no matter how dangerous this world looks, no matter how dangerous it seems, God's people do not have to fear the way other people do. He tells us very clearly in His Word, you do not have to be afraid of things the way other people do. And, and this morning I want us to look at some verses in Isaiah 41 that are going to help bring this out and bear this out to us. I'm going to start reading in verse 8 of Isaiah 41. Isaiah speaking here, the Lord speaking through Isaiah, I guess, uh, but thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. <coughs> Fear thou not, we see in verse 10, for I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. And they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them. Even them that contended with thee, they that war against thee, shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains, and beat them small, and shalt make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt fan them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them. Thou shalt rejoice in the Lord, and shalt glory in the Holy One of Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words uh, through the prophet Isaiah. Uh, they're, uh, they're a comfort to us, Father, as your people, uh, that we need not fear the things that others do. We need not be afraid of uh, what will befall in, in this coming new year. As we're leaving one year, as we're on the brink of a new one, Lord, we don't need to, uh, to have the fear that some may have because we are your children and you've obligated yourself, yourself to meet our needs. You have said that you'll protect us, and you've told us in these words that, uh, that we can rely on you, and we thank you for that. And as we look at these uh, verses, Father, we pr just pray that you would teach us from them. Show us what we need to know today. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the good news here is that we see it in verse 10. Fear thou not. God is talking to his people here. He says, uh, we read there in uh, verse 8, But thou, Israel, art my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen. So directly, he's speaking to the children of Israel here. Indirectly, he is speaking to all of his people in every generation because he refers to those whom I have chosen, to those whom I have taken. And in verse 9, near the end of it, he says, I have chosen thee. 
If you're a believer here today, if you've been saved by the grace of God, He has chosen you. And these words apply to you. You need not fear uh, the way the rest of the world does. The God of heaven tells His people, you don't need to fear what's coming next because I'm with you and I'm going to take care of you. That's good news, isn't it, for a new year? Because we're on the brink of this new one, not knowing what's going to happen. And, you know, we, we realize that's just another day. It's just a few hours difference. But it's a new year. It's something, and we always look at those and we think, ah, what's, it's, it's, gonna, it's exciting. We can make resolutions that we end up not keeping. And, and all of those good things, right? No matter what happens, God says, fear thou not. Why not? It begs the question, doesn't it? Well, why not? Why wouldn't we fear the way other people do? Just because we're Christians, why don't we have to fear? He, said, he tells us there in verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. I, he says. And I want us to remember, I want us to take a look here, just remind ourselves who it is that's speaking through the prophet Isaiah when he says, I am with thee. You know, there's going to be a number of verses here that I'm just going to make reference to or read. You don't have to turn to all of these. But when we remember who it is that's speaking here, He is the only living and true God. Scripture teaches us that. Deuteronomy 6.4, we're told, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There is only one God. And He's the one who has said to us, Don't be afraid, because I'm with you. Jeremiah 10.10 10 says, The Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting King. There are some, uh, you've, you've heard this in, in generations past or in, in years past, uh, there was a big thing that people would say, God is dead. God is not dead. God is still seated on His throne. He is still the only God. He is still the powerful God. And we'll talk about that as we go forward. But He is the only true and living God. He is the one who says, I am with Thee. He is the one who is infinite in being and perfection. We, don't, we have a hard time with that word, infinite, don't we? I can't imagine how big that is. But the Word of God says that He is infinite. Uh, Job 11, 7 uh, through 9 tell, read us like this. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty under perfection? It's good questions, aren't they? Can we figure out how big God is by ourselves? No. We can, we can imagine the biggest thing we can, and God is much bigger than that. He says, it is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure thereof, that is the measure of God, is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Our God is far bigger than anything we can imagine. And Job 26, verse 14 says, Lo, these are, the par these are parts of His ways. He's been describing the different parts of God or the different attributes of God. And he says, Lo, these are, these are parts of His ways, but how little a portion is heard of it. No matter how vast a description we can give of God. It's going to be just a, just a brief portion of who He really is. That is the God who says, I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. He is the God who is immutable. That's a big word, I guess. It just simply means He never changes. Don't you take uh, great comfort in the fact that God does not change? We don't have to worry about tomorrow we get up and He says, oh, you know, I'm not... I've reinvented myself and all those things you were trying to do to serve me? Well, I don't want you to do this anymore. I've got something else I want you to do now. And we don't have to worry about that, do we? Because God says, I never change. James 1, verse 17, refers to Him as the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The God we served yesterday is the God we serve today, and the God we will serve tomorrow and every day after that. 
and he will not change. This is the God who the God who says, I am with thee, is a God who is immense. Uh, Jeremiah 23, verses 23 and 24 tell us, or ask the question, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? There's nowhere we can go to get away from God. And and that that is not a very comfortable feeling, I suppose, if you're living in open sin and you're trying to get away from Him. You can't. He's going to find you. But if you're a person who finds yourself in trouble, isn't it nice to know that no matter where you are, God is there. He will find you and He will look after you. And he, will, he will care for you. He says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. This is the God who says that is the eternal God. Psalm 90 and verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. That's, a, that's another term that we have difficulty with, isn't it? Everlasting? You ever think back as far back as you can, as far back as recorded history, God was before that. And if you could think about anything earlier than that, He would be before that as well. And then when we think in the other direction, eternity future, you realize that we will never cease to be? There are people who believe that when we die, that's it. Lights are off, we cease to exist. That's not what Scripture teaches. We will exist somewhere throughout all eternity. Now, there was a time when we didn't exist, obviously. We came into being at the point of conception. When our parents conceived us, that's when our life began. But our life will never cease after that. And there's one of two places. We will either exist throughout all eternity with, with God in His presence, or we will exist in the place that the Bible refers to as uh, the, the blackness of darkness forever, the lake of fire. One of those two places we will exist, but we will never cease to exist. We will, at that point, enjoy eternity. As Christians, we will enjoy eternity with God. Anyone who has not been saved doesn't have that to look forward to. But God Himself is eternal. God Himself is incomprehensible. Psalm 145 and verse 3 says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. We can look day in, day out, night in, night out, as long as we live. We can search to know everything we can about God, and we will never have, have found it all out. I don't know if we'll ever know fully uh, all of the glory, all of the greatness of God, even in eternity. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the Scripture teaches us anywhere that we will know everything there is about God. I'm not sure we can. I'd like to know more than we can know here on earth. But He is, he is eternal. He is incomprehensible. This is a God who says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. He is almighty. Genesis 17.1 says, The Lord appeared to Abram, said unto him, I am the Almighty God. He has all power. There is nothing uh, more powerful than our God. There is nothing that can catch him by surprise. There is nothing that can change his plans. Because he is Almighty. He is most holy. Isaiah 6, verse 3. Uh, this is uh, speaking of the vision that Isaiah had of God sitting on his throne. He saw angelic beings and he said, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. We serve a holy God, a God who has never sinned. We can't comprehend that fully because we have sinned 
And we, are, we have a propensity for it. We have desires to sin. God never has those desires. Never has. And because of that, because He is a holy God, He requires a sacrifice for sin on our part. That's why Jesus came and died for us. Uh, to pay the price of our sin. But God is most holy. God is free to do as He pleases. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. Daniel 4 verse 35 says, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? No one can go to God, put their finger in His face and say, What do you think you're doing? Because our God does whatsoever He pleases. And whatsoever He pleases is always right. It is always pure. It is always truthful. It is always holy. And as Christians, whatever God does, it is for our good. Because we are told very clearly in Scripture, all things work together for good to those who are uh, the called according, uh, the called of God. Those who are called according to His purposes. He works out all things for our good, doesn't He? He's promised that. And so, he is, uh, he is free to do as He pleases. He is self-existent. Exodus 3, verse 14 says, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Moses had asked him, What's your name? He was sending Moses to, to Egypt, and he said, Go down there and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And I want you to tell my people that, you've, that you're there to deliver them. And he said, Well, they're going to ask me who you are. Who are you? And his name, he says, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. In that word, I am, it simply says, I am. I didn't have a beginning. No one created me. No one sustains me. Everything that I need, I have myself. I don't need anyone. I don't need anything. I don't need uh, any circumstances. I don't need any kind of a support structure. I am. I simply am. Isn't that amazing? Because we don't have a, a good way of thinking in that term either, do we? Because we all need a support structure. We need something. We need food. We need drink. We need rest. We need shelter uh, from bitter cold or from the burning of the sun. We need air to breathe. We need all kinds of things. We need people. Other people, don't we? But God says, I don't need anything. But I've chosen you. And he, when he was speaking to Moses there, I've chosen you to go get my people, the ones that I have chosen, and lead them out of Egypt. And so he says, I am self-existent. The last thing that we'll look at is to who this is that says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. He's the God that works all things according to his own will. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10, we read, I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God says, I will do everything in accordance with my will. Nothing shakes that will of God. And when, uh, when He decides to do something, He's going to do it. He doesn't change His plans. I don't change His plans. No one can. No one knows. It's been said that the court of heaven never operates in emergency session. God simply works according to his ordered plan, regardless of what's happening here on earth. This is the God who says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. So why is it that we don't need to be 
that we don't need to fear as other people do as Christians because this God is with us. We've talked about that a few times in the last uh, few weeks. As we think about the Christmas season, you remember when Jesus came, Matthew 1.23? They were told, you shall call his name Emmanuel. And what does that word mean? It means God with us. That is why we don't need to fear the way other people do because this God is with us. He's committed himself to being with us. That's the first reason. Why else? Are there other reasons that we see in this text as to why we don't need to be afraid as so many other people do? He says, fear thou not, there in verse 10, for I am with thee. He says, be not dismayed. And then he says, for I am thy God. I am thy God. Let those words sink in just a bit. He's not just any God. He is our God. And he's committed himself to to be our God. Um, It's not only that um, he is with us, but he is our God. We can have a personal relationship with him when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. A personal relationship with the God of heaven. Does it... Has it ever ceased to amaze you as Christians that we can have a personal relationship with God? We are called His children, and He is our Heavenly Father. We should never lose uh, a sight of what that means. Romans 8, 16 says we are the children of God. Hebrews 13, verse 5 says, He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He is our God. Like the best parent on earth, far better than the best parent on earth, they will not lose their children. Now, we've all heard stories of, uh, of parents who turned their back and their, their child was missing. They were gone. Um, and just recently, one of our grandkids, they, they were, I think it was with their dad, and he turned his back and she was on the other side of a display. And um, she came around and said something about, to the effect of, you left me. You, I, I didn't see you, I turned around. We never have that experience with God, do we? There's never going to be a time when we can say, God, you left me. Where were you? Because he was always there. But think in this term also. As a, as a, as a parent, oftentimes you'll, you'll let your children do something. You'll let them go out just out of sight. You know exactly where they are. They may not realize you're watching them, but you, you're not, they're never in harm's way. They're right where you can scoop them up at any time. And that sometimes that'll be uh, the case with God as well. He is our God, but He may let us do some things. He may let us, it may seem that we're out of His sight. We're not. It may seem that we're in danger, that He can't touch us, but all He's got to do is reach His hand out, and He's going to support us. He says, you don't need to be afraid. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. I am thy God. Then He says also in verse 10, I will strengthen thee. Those are encouraging words as well, aren't they? See, first, when we think about this, as we read this verse, Fear thou not, for I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God, I will strengthen thee. The first thing we need to think about is focusing on who God is. Because if, if I were to come to you and say, Fear not, I'm here. I'm going to take care of everything. You look at me and say, uh, Brother, there's not a lot of things you can take care of. I'm not that awesome. I'm not wealthy enough to bail you out of all the trouble you might find yourself in. I'm not strong enough to protect you from everything, right? So if I told you that, it doesn't mean a lot. But we first, we focus on who it is that's giving us these words. We focus on who that God is. The second thing we focus in is on that fact we just looked at. He is ours, 
and we are His. We focus on those two things first, and then we focus on, He says, I will strengthen thee. That third thing, we allow Him to strengthen us when the trouble comes. You know, we, we can try to, to fix all our own problems. And sometimes the Lord will step away and say, okay. You ever have a parent tell you that? When you say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. Uh, we had a daughter who said, I, I can do it. All by myself, I can do it. <laughs> that was, we heard, I don't know how many times we heard that. All by myself, I can do that. And sometimes you step back and say, okay, try it. And they'll go as far as they can, and then you hear those words, help me, I can't do this, right? Well, the Lord will let us do that sometimes. If we insist on trying to solve our own problems, sometimes He may allow it. But He's always right there to watch and to step in when we need Him. He says, I will strengthen you. Psalm 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is our strength. And we need to remember that. Um, we need to remember that when things come up and, and problems hit us sometimes, it just it shakes us to the core. We need to remember every day of our lives we have access to the throne of God when the problems hit. And maybe that should be the first thing we do is, is turn to Him in prayer instead of trying to solve all our problems ourselves. There's a reason, by the way, why um, the military, when, when someone goes into boot camp, they go over things over and over and over again. Do you know why? Because in combat, when there's uh, rifle fire and there's artillery fire all around you, you don't have time to think about what to do. You need to immediately remember. It should be right here. It should be... Uh, so ingrained in you that you automatically do the things to protect yourself. It should be that way with prayer, with the Lord. When problems hit us, it should be so ingrained in us. God says, I will strengthen you. We should immediately turn to Him instead of trying to resolve all our problems ourselves. He says, uh, fear not, for I am with thee. He says, I am thy God. He says, I will strengthen thee. Then He says further in verse 10, I will help thee. Or he says, yea, I will help thee. That term help, um, it means basically what we, we think it does there in the original language, but it, it goes farther than just to be of assistance to someone. The word here, it means to surround somebody, to bring uh, aid to them, to uh, essentially to put a hedge of protection around someone. That's what this word help means. You remember, the uh, we talked about this several weeks ago, when Elisha and his servant were in the city, in the town of Dothan, and the Syrians, uh, king had sent the Syrians to uh, army uh, to capture Elisha, and Elisha's servant got up in the morning. He went outside and he looked out, and the Syrian army was surrounding the town, and it freaked him out. He went and he found Elisha, and he says, "What are we going to do now? They're they're here. They're here for us. I know they are. And what are we going to do? We can't escape them." And Elijah, Elisha just simply prayed, "God, open his eyes." And when he did. He could see on the outside, even farther out than those Syrians, he could see chariots of fire surrounding the Syrian army that was surrounding them. God had put uh, his chariots of fire, his own army, around that city to protect his servant. He hasn't promised us necessarily chariots of fire to protect us, but he has said, I will come to your help. I will come to your aid. I will help you. I will put a hedge of protection around you. That's the same idea here. And then we see these words repeated, not only in verse 10, but they're also in verse 13 and 14. I will help you. I will come to your aid. You need not fear. So he says, this is our God talking to us. Fear not, or fear thou not. He says, I am with thee. 
I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, I will help thee. And then he tells us in verse 10 further, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now that term right hand is often uh, referred to in the scripture. We see it also in other um, uh, writings. Uh, and we hear it in, even in, in, um, in conversations with people. People think of the right hand as being the strong hand. And that simply goes back to the fact that uh, uh, more people are right-handed uh, than are left-handed. Why that is, I don't know. If I, I presume if, if the majority of people in the world were left-handed, it would have referred to the left hand of its righteousness. But this is simply saying, I'm going to use the right hand of my righteousness. It's the strong hand. And I'm going to protect you with my strength, with my mighty power. God can uphold it. He says it, it's the right hand not only of power, but the right hand of my righteousness. How can God in righteousness support us? We're sinners. How can a holy God support sinful people? He can do it because we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we have been born again into His family. And when God looks at us, He doesn't see our sin as Christians. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been, uh, as it were, uh, added to our account. When He looks at our account, He doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus' righteousness. And so He can support us. He can help us with the right hand of His righteousness. I want you to, uh, to, to rest assured... It's not, not a very assuring thing, but know this. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Satan accuses us as Christians. He accuses us on a regular basis. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 tells us that. He is referred to in Scripture as the accuser of the brethren. He's constantly going before God and accusing us. Did you see what he did? Did you see what she did? They sinned. They told a lie. They did something. They took something that wasn't theirs. They cheated. They whatever it happens to be. Because by the way, as Christians, we do still sin from time to time, don't we? And when that happens, when Satan comes to accuse us, God says, I can righteously support that person because the blood of my son paid the price of that sin. It's been taken care of. And so, regardless of how much Satan accuses us, we are still God's people. And he says, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Then he tells us, I want to reread, if you will, look here, starting in verse 11. I want to reread a few of these verses. It says, Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them. Even them that contended with thee, they that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not. I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and, my redeem and, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. God will take care of our enemies. And those enemies, uh, they, can be, they can be any number of things. Now, when he was writing directly to the people in Isaiah's day, he was writing to people who had physical enemies, soldiers with swords, spears, arrows that were, that were coming to them that were going to attack them. In our case, as children of God, we don't have all that many people that are trying to, to attack us with swords and spears or guns or all of that. God, we, there are people who would do harm to us, no doubt, and God can protect them from them, or protect us from them. But mostly, what we're reading into this as Christians today are spiritual enemies that we have. 
Uh, things that would lead us astray, people that would lead us astray, habits that would lead us astray, sinful desires that would lead us astray. These things that, that can take us off God's road. He says those enemies, he says they're going to be ashamed. They're going to be confounded. They're going to be as nothing. Your enemies are going to perish when I take care of you. He says they're not going to be found. They're going to be as a thing of naught. He says when I take care of you, I'm going to take care of those enemies that are around you. You don't need to be afraid. Now, this does not necessarily mean that no bad things are ever going to happen to Christians. We know that. If you're a Christian today, you know bad things will happen from time to time. They're always going to come. The Lord will allow some things into our lives to strengthen us, to encourage us, to uh, force us to rely on Him. So it doesn't necessarily mean no no bad things are going to happen. It does mean that when the bad things happen, we can rely on God to see us through those times, to resolve issues for us. And it does mean we don't have to be afraid of the things that come to us. We don't have to fear the way other people do. And then we read in this passage, if you look down to verse 15, not only does God say, Fear thou not, for I am with thee, I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Not only does He say, I'm going to take care of your enemies, in verse 15 we read, He's going to use us for His work. Because, look what it says, He says, Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument. It's a metaphor for a farmer. He's going out in his fields. He's got, he's got some threshing he needs to do. And God says, I'm going to make you a threshing instrument. I've got work to do. And I'm going to make you the tool to do it. And he doesn't say, I'm going to make you a, a beat up old tool. You've been living in fear. You, you're weak. You're emaciated. And you're not, you're not going to be good for much, but I'm going to use you anyway. That's not what it says, is it? He says, I'm going to make you a new, sharp threshing instrument. Far from having to be afraid of the enemies around us, God is saying, as a Christian, I'm going to use you to do my work, and you're going to be the sharpest tool on the bench. Some might say the sharpest pencil in the drawer. You're going to be the tool that I use, and I'm going to use you for my work. Even in fearful times, God's purpose is for us as Christians to be bold and effective witnesses serving Him and doing the work that He's called us to do. And He says, I'm going to enable you to do that. And when we get dull and worn out, He will sharpen us again, because He can make us anew, can He? That's His promise to us. And then finally, we see in verse 16, that not only is He going to use us for His work, He's going to be glorified in us. Look at verse 16. Thou shalt fan them, and the wind shall carry them. He's talking about the Lord using us as tools to do His work. Thou shalt fan them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them. And thou shalt rejoice in the Lord, and shalt glory in the Holy One of Israel. There's no mention of fear here, is it? He says, after I have used you, after I've created you to be a sharp instrument, you're not going to be afraid of your enemies. You're going to do the work that I've done, and when that happens, you're going to rejoice in the Lord, and you're going to glory in the Holy One of Israel. No mention at all of fear there. When the Lord works in our lives and He uses us, our natural inclination should always be that we'll rejoice in Him. Shouldn't it? And the, the further natural thing is we're going to give Him the glory because He's the one working through us. He's the one who created us as sharp, threshing instruments that He could use. It's not us. We're not sharpening ourselves. We're not making ourselves usable tools. He's doing that for us. 
we're not the ones who, who are taking away the fear ourselves. If we're left to ourselves, we'd be huddled up in a corner somewhere afraid of everything around us. God says, I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to make you a tool. I'm going to use you. And when I do that, you're going to glorify me. Isn't that good news? As we enter into a new year that is full of who knows what might come our way, we don't have to be afraid. We can, as Christians, stand firm and rely on our God to see us through the fearful times.